The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 112 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show are my own and not my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government, and nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before I get started, I remind our listeners, you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So, of course, we had another record-breaking week in terms of listenership last week as we had what is arguably the most sought-after cybersecurity guest in the world right here on Task Force 7 Radio because we truly are the voice of cybersecurity. So, listeners from almost 50 countries tuned in to listen to Admiral Michael Rogers. He's the former head of the NSA and the former commander of U.S. Cyber Command, and he joined us to talk about whether or not China is an enemy or a competitor to the United States. And I always ask this question, and I, I like to ask a lot of guests this question because it can be a quite, quite frankly, I get different answers. And, um, it, and they're always interesting, and they're always very thought-provoking. And we talked about that, and we talked about how the United States should mitigate any threats from China moving forward into the future. Because after all, we need to start paying attention to this problem, right? So I got to say, it was a fantastic interview, as Admiral Rogers explained in detail, how the points of national security and economic competitiveness are so very closely intertwined. And when business and political leaders try to differentiate between the two and keep them separate, they really become dangerously close to missing the point of what we're trying to talk about here and missing the risk, right? They're not able to really quantify and articulate the material risk associated with both of these uh, two different aspects of, of competition, right? And also security. So Rogers talked about the gray zone, and that's a place where many of our potential adversaries, and it was notable to me that Rogers used the word potential here, right, when he said this, right? So that was very noteworthy, I thought. And they're focused on gaining advantage on the United States in ways that will not trip an armed response and put them in a position of losing a kinetic battle that could put them back many years. So this is something that I think we need to talk about more and more and more in the United States because people just aren't paying attention to me. In my, in my mind, the general public is not paying attention to this problem. They're not educated on this problem. There's not enough news on this, on this issue. And this is something that I think we need to talk about because folks need to understand what's really at stake here. And 
in short, it's basically everything. Okay. So in light of even a more, some of the more recent cyber attacks against the United States government military officials by groups allegedly sponsored by the Chinese government, again, we're operating in this gray zone. Admiral Rogers lays out what he thinks is the United States strategy should be to ensure a fair playing field across the global stage. He also spoke about what it was like to lead U.S. Cyber Command, what the U.S. needs to do about election security, and he explained how leaving the government and working in the private sector over the last 18 months has affected his views on cybersecurity in the United States, which, to be perfectly honest, was very, very fascinating. Uh, So I really enjoyed the show. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, obviously there's still plenty of time to do so at your convenience. That's the beauty of playback on the Internet. This is one you don't want to miss, folks. That's the former director of the NSA and the former commander of U.S. Cyber Command, Admiral Michael Rogers. On last week's episode, that's episode number 111 of Task Force 7 Radio. Well, if you're listening to us live on Voice America right now, or maybe someone just sent you the link to this episode, you might be wondering how you can listen to all the previous Task Force 7 Radio episodes on playback. Just go to our new TF7 Radio site at www.tf7radio.com and hit the episode tab at the top of the homepage. And you can find all the TF7 Radio episodes at your fingertips. You can also search our guest library, which is the most impressive list of some of the most prolific cybersecurity professionals in the world, as is evidenced by last week's show. And of course, we have our news section as well, where you can check out all the latest cybersecurity news on Task Force 7 Radio. And you can even write comments on the different news articles and topics that we're talking about and interact with other TF7 Radio listeners, which is always a lot of fun. So we're on at least a dozen different playback mediums now. We've made it super simple for you to find them all. Just hit the subscribe button at the top right of the homepage and you'll see your entire selection of playback mediums. And most importantly, you can subscribe to our show right from the TF7 radio website, which is really the best way to stay connected to the TF7 family. So check us out, folks, www.tf7radio.com to hear any of our episodes at your convenience, 24-7, 365, anytime, anywhere around the globe. And as always, Whatever you do, don't forget to subscribe. No matter what medium you're on, please don't forget to subscribe. We love it when you subscribe. So we got an awesome follow-up show to last week's episode for you this week. As tonight's guest has been in the trenches fighting the good fight in both the government and private sector uh, for decades, doing service with, the, with, with government agencies, working in the private sector for, for a long time now. With, with a plethora of experience. We're going to have the chairman and chief executive officer of Black Ops Partners Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming, on the show with us this evening. Casey serves as the CEO of Black Ops Partners Corp., where he is the global leader in delivering critical strategies in strategic risk management, security, and cybersecurity to today's forward-thinking business and government leaders. He is widely recognized as a top expert thought leader, and visionary on issues related to cybersecurity and strategic risk. Mr. Fleming is also a highly sought-after speaker and author on hybrid warfare, the new face of global competition, and the existential business risk advanced by adversarial nation-states in organized hacking. His expertise includes critical adversarial intelligence involving great power competition, asymmetric hybrid warfare, the gray zone, which we just spoke about, cybersecurity, security strategy, economic espionage, and turning intellectual property theft protection into a competitive advantage. 
how cool is this guy? <laughs> All right, this is exactly the kind of tier one guest we love to get here on Task Force 7 Radio. I'm telling you right now, this is like the perfect guest for our show. This is really where the rubber meets the road for us here at TF7. Mr. Fleming co-developed Invictus, the strategic war gaming exercise to detect and mitigate unforeseen risk within organizations while identifying opportunities to compete effectively. He has also been named Cybersecurity Professional of the Year by the Cybersecurity Excellence Awards. He's been a TEDx talk speaker on hybrid warfare, and he worked for IBM where he founded their cyber division as a managing director, now known as IBM Security. How cool is that? So Mr. Fleming regularly advises senior leadership with the private sector, Congress, Department of Justice, the FBI, the White House, government agencies, the military and academia on security strategy, cybersecurity, cloud adversarial intelligence, as well as issues concerning national security. He's got a bachelor's degree from Texas A&M University and later served as an instructor with IBM's internal MBA program. He has participated in executive programs with the Harvard Business School, the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and IBM Corporation. He's obviously a very intelligent, very articulate, and highly respected cybersecurity professional. So it's time to get this party started this evening, folks, with our special guest, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partners Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. Casey, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio. Glad to be here. So Casey, right from the top here, I want to talk right from the crow's nest in the intelligence community about why cybersecurity is not just a technology problem. Well, it's a great question. Um, cybersecurity has been around for several decades now, at least uh, two plus decades. And it's been built out of really an extension of IT. So it's been technology focused uh, based on products, uh, the latest products, and that's where all the messaging comes from and so on. But that's really a critical fundamental error. It's not just a technology problem. In fact, through, uh, through our conversation today, I'll, I'll describe to you why it's much more than a technology problem. It's actually a business problem. And, uh, and it requires focus on the human factor and at the strategic layer. So uh, cybersecurity, as, uh, as we all know it, was uh, just an extension of IT. And it's really the way it's been treated. But it's, uh, it's got a whole nother missing side to it, which is, again, the strategic side, looking at it strategically. The way we look at cybersecurity today is tactically. Um, in the organization, there are three layers, which is uh, tactical at the lowest level, operational in the center, and then strategic, strategic at the top. And uh, that's why it's very, very important that cybersecurity be looked at as more of a business problem and certainly not a, uh, just a technology problem. So everybody's got uh, some growing to do. And I've been in technology and cybersecurity for quite a long time. So it's just a breath of fresh air to hear someone talk about cybersecurity as a business problem. Because even when, when, I, when I was at City, when I was at J.P. Morgan Chase, when I talked to my teams, I used to always tell them in one of our mottos for even one of the teams that I was on was run it like a business, you know, run it like a business and trying to get people into the mindset and change their culture in terms of, because there are a lot, obviously there's a lot of technologists in, in cybersecurity and they tend to take a technical view of things and a technical view of problems and solutions and when you, when you take that view and you start having a risk discussion and you t start talking with a common lexicon of risk and you think about it as a business problem, I think things come out a little bit differently. Now, when we look at our, 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 uh, the people that are actually attacking you know, our critical infrastructure all the time, 
Um, we know that nation-state adversaries are rapidly evolving the scale and frequency of their attacks on U.S. companies, uh, Fortune 500 companies, and so on. And, and, and even Sony, the Sony attack shows us you don't have to be critical infrastructure to be attacked by, uh, by a nation-state adversary. Can you tell us a little bit about the great power competition and why it must be the top priority for our senior leaders? That's another great question. Great power competition. If you remember back, uh, at least in the history books, World War II uh, and what happened in the last century, that was really a defining moment for the United States and the, the West, the, the, all the Western allies that were part of, a, uh, part of our alliance. And it really carried the, uh, the uh, economic future of the world for you know, the next 70 plus years. Um, but about every 50 to 70 years, you have this thing called great power competition. And that's really what's, that's the, the moniker or the name that the military gives it. It's the rise of countries that want to basically have global superiority uh, throughout the world. And, you know, we know World War One, we know World War Two, and then we had other smaller wars after that. But the big war was World War Two that really kind of defined uh, the economy and the world order for the next 70 years. And of course, the United States was uh, the shepherd of that. Well, we've got competition now, great power competition, and it's called the re-rise or the new rise in great power competition. And it's China, and when you think about China, I want everybody to remember and your audience to remember, you're talking about the Chinese Communist Party, underscore communist. So uh, as much as we want to think that China uh, should be a democracy and should be just like the United States, they couldn't be more diametrically opposed. So you have China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, and the up-and-comer is India, and there's a few others on that list as well. But it's the, the, the new rise or the re-rise of great power competition and how we have to affect that. Today, it's very, very different, and I'll get into it a little bit later in our discussion, but that's really what great power competition is. And the problem with that is it used to be militaries used to fight head-to-head, uh, -head. but our adversaries now are doing this thing called asymmetric hybrid warfare. In other words, they're doing everything but uh, conventional warfare, going head-to-head, -head, military to military, country to country. They're doing it asymmetrically from many different methods and many different angles to weaken the United States and our Western allies. The issue now is that companies are on the front lines of this, uh, of this fight. And I don't, in the past, companies haven't realized that, but uh, we're seeing a huge upswing in, in companies needing help. And first of all, they understand that they are targets and they understand it's kind of way outside their wheelhouse, something that they have never been trained, trained before in their past, in their past experiences. And they're looking for leadership to, uh, to help them in this, uh, in this fight. You know, it's amazing. I think the average person out there really doesn't understand and, and nor I don't have any reason to believe why they would what the threat actor taxonomy looks like in cybersecurity regarding nation states and organized crime groups and terrorist groups and insiders and so on. I think, you know, when I, when I, when I see what's going on with nation states, it's, it, it is scary. And I don't think the average person understands, you know, what the capabilities of some of these other countries are and how they're growing and how they're competing with us. And you just mentioned hybrid warfare. I mean, so tell us a little bit about hybrid warfare and what that means. Uh, to, to well, it's, it's the, the full name is asymmetric hybrid warfare. So let's talk about hybrid warfare. It's the same okay. thing, but asymmetric says it's coming at you from all angles in kind of like a four dimension. If you think 3D and 4D in a four dimension approach, um, hybrid warfare is 
achieving military results through non-military methods. So again, hybrid warfare, achieving military results through everything uh, non-military type methods. So that's really what hybrid warfare is. And that's attacking many, many different angles, many different methods, and uh, many different vectors. Cybersecurity is just one of those vectors. So when all of our focus is on cybersecurity, and I, I'm a cybersecurity uh, veteran myself, uh, but the thing is, you, we don't realize that there's a much bigger game being played and a much bigger umbrella above cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is, again, like only one of maybe the top 40 different asymmetric methods of, of hybrid warfare. And there are over a different, 100 different methods of hybrid warfare. So that's really what hybrid warfare is. So why should the, the average person out there that's listening to this show right now care about hybrid warfare? That's another great question. Uh, the reason you want to care is because it's directly targeted to, at, at you, the individual, your family, your company, and your country. And it's, uh, it's meant to weaken the United States and to take the power and control away from the United States to basically to where we, basic, we basically succumb to another power. And the Chinese Communist Party would like it to be them. Russia would like it to be them as well. But, you know, you hear about the 800-pound gorilla. Well, the Chinese Communist Party is the 3,200-pound gorilla. And the reason I say that is because we've helped them build their economy to be the number two, in some cases, the way you measure it, the number one economy now in the world. Russia is much smaller as far as their GDP. So they really only participate in six or seven different methods of asymmetric hybrid warfare, um, hybrid warfare for short. But China is implementing all 100-plus methods against the United States and our Western allies. So that's really why you care. So in other words, okay, so I was asked this just recently. Well, Casey, what does that mean to me? What does that mean? You know, I had a CEO ask me that. I said, well, I said, you know that Lexus you're driving? <laughs> I said, your children are going to be driving a Volkswagen Passat, and their children are going to be riding a bike. That's what the Chinese Communist Party they, they wants to do. They want to turn the United States into a supplier, just a supplier type of country by, uh, by owning the United States through all means, economically, militarily, and so on, and forcing the United States to, to be a supplier. So that means dictating uh, how you will live, how you will go to, you know, what school, if you go to school, what school you will go to. Um, what college, university, so on and so forth, and what job you will have and what your family will do and so on and so forth. So um, it's, very it's very important and interesting to, to study the Chinese Communist Party because that's really what their intentions are. Now, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, we've, uh, we've got an intelligence group and we have an intelligence network that we work very tightly on and we have very, very good detail on what's going on inside the Chinese Communist Party. You know, it's amazing, and it's great that we're getting this out there because I, I just don't think there's people talk about this enough. Do, why don't people talk about it? Why don't you hear about this enough uh, on the news and, and, and other uh, periodicals and magazines and news articles? People don't really blog about it. You just don't hear about it. It's been going on for years. Well, the reason you don't hear about it is because the Chinese Communist Party has made investments. Uh, well, they've made investments, infiltration, and subversion in many, many different uh, uh, U.S. organizations, namely universities, the media, uh, so on and so forth. So they, so, and in fact, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because just recently, everybody remembers that uh, uh, Nike 
just, you know, no. Nike just had to change their program with the uh, Chinese Communist Party in China. Disney did. The uh, NBA did. Also, the general manager of the Houston Rockets. Apple had to drop a couple of apps because they were being used in Hong Kong. And remember, we're a free society and we're, we're managed by the Constitution. Well, you wouldn't really think that because all of that free speech that I just spoke about was ripped up and trampled on the ground by the Chinese Communist Party and by the, the institutions and organizations that I just mentioned. So, uh, you know, is this, is this really something we should worry about? I think it absolutely is because uh, the Chinese Communist Party just showed that they have the, the breadth and the reach to control American citizens on U.S. soil. Yep, so that's, money, that's, power, that's, and influence, right? And you could see that, especially in the NBA example. Absolutely. I, would, I think so. Um, and it's out there. I mean, we, you know, we have intelligence that we run the, you know, all day, every day, seven days a week. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you also brought that up. If, if I would mention this typically at the end, but if your listeners are very interested in this, um, you can, they can follow our company page on LinkedIn. We usually post five to 10 articles a day, specifically on this subject of hybrid warfare with, uh, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, which of course is China, and you can't separate the two, and uh, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and so on. And that's and those the usual are posted suspects. on our company page <laughs> on LinkedIn. Uh, and so is, are they posted on LinkedIn on the on the page, or you have to go to your company page, your, your actual website? You have to no. You have to go to our. You have to go to LinkedIn and follow our company page. Okay. And click follow your our company page on LinkedIn, and then if you want to page through that. Uh, if you want to page through that uh, company page, you'll actually start seeing, oh my God, this is real. This is true. They are creating their own uh, GPS system. Uh, they, they do ban VPNs. Um, they are spying on our undersea cables. They are poisoning our children through these foods and medicines and makeup and cosmetics. And I mean, all that stuff is in there uh, on, a, on a daily basis. So if you follow our company page on LinkedIn, we're the only guys that I know of that actually connect the dots. And the promise here is uh, you will be sick to your stomach if you decide to look at that because it's, it'll, first of all, let me also tell your audience that uh, they will be the most interesting man or woman uh, in cocktail conversations and at their company based on, uh, based on this interview because now they are uh, pseudo experts in what's going on with hybrid warfare. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm definitely going to sign up because this is the kind of stuff that's very interesting to me. And I think that's the kind of stuff that's very interesting to our audience. You know, I know there's a lot of other podcasts out there on cybersecurity talking bits and bites and sort of geeking out on the tech side, but this is where people really, I think, you know, tune in. This is what they tune into because this is, they understand how this is affecting their lives you know, how it could affect their lives in the future and the importance of cybersecurity and what's happening on, 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 the, on the global perspective, right? Um, so, look, we hear a lot about gray zones. Can you tell us a little bit about gray zones and what that's all about? Yep. Uh, gray zone is really the, uh, the difference between peace and war. Americans only understand war in terms of binary terms. You're either at war and there's bloodshed or you're not, period. Uh, battleships, planes and troops and uniforms. Um, the Chinese Communist Party, Russia, Iran, North Korea, all play the gray zone. In other words, uh, that gray zone between peace and war. In other words, come up to the come up to the line of conventional warfare with planes, ships, troops, and uh, uniforms, but don't don't cross the line. But do everything short of conventional warfare, 
And so that's, that's really what they're, they're doing. And so what company, now companies, universities, uh, think tanks, law firms, uh, you know, government agencies are all in this gray area. They are all targets. If they have intellectual property, sensitive data, um, and it's like customer data, employee data, uh, salaries, uh, negotiation terms, uh, mergers and acquisition information, I mean, anything you use to, I mean, gates for airlines, anything you use to run your business is considered sensitive data, and the Chinese Communist Party absolutely want it. Now, Russia wants a, a shorter, they have a shorter shopping list. Um, you know, they want more military type of things, more financial things, that kind of stuff, more of a short-term type of thing. China wants everything, and they're using artificial intelligence to separate all the, separate all out, the, you know, the, the, the wheat from the chaff. And, uh, and so on. So that's really what the gray area is. You know, Americans have to change our way of thinking. Cybersecurity is not just a technology uh, problem. And cybersecurity is just one vector. And there's a much bigger umbrella above cybersecurity called hybrid warfare. Um, so that's what gray area, a gray zone is. And in fact, there's a, you know, we, we actually term it, it's companies are on the front lines in the gray zone between peace and war. What that means is, is that your intellectual property, everything you run your company on, is, is being stolen and attacked and stolen by, uh, by our adversaries. And you can't say, well, have we been breached today, and so on and so forth. I got it, and I'm gonna segue a little bit for you. You know, I've been in cybersecurity uh, pretty much all my born days. And if you buy a cybersecurity executive two or three beers, he or she is going to tell you, you're not protected. You're nowhere <laughs> near being protected. You're nowhere near protecting the IP and everything else. But if the CEO walks by or the COO walks by or CFO or general counsel and they say, are, are we covered? Are we protected? It's like, yes, sir, we absolutely are. But those of us that are in the industry, we will tell you, you are not protected. I mean, think about it. Software is, is created by, it's developed by humans. It's configured by humans and it's managed by humans and the average the average enterprise has 85 cybersecurity software products on top of the other 250 software products that are inside the enterprise a lot of those are going to the cloud oh well the cloud is just another data it's just somebody else's data center with the same parameters so hardware software networks are all human based and that's why another reason why cybersecurity is not just a technology problem because cybersecurity by definition is a human problem because it's all created by uh, not just not just a human problem but it's all created by humans managed and configured by humans so i like to also say cybersecurity is swiss cheese on top of swiss cheese on top of swiss cheese hmm. so when ceos ask me in boardrooms and in, and chairmen of the board say Casey, are we protected? I say, without looking at your system and your network and, and your supply chain, I'm telling you, you're absolutely not protected. And you have to look at it from a different perspective. Um, so anyway, that's, that's really, uh, uh, you know, what the gray zone is and, uh, and what the focus is and why we're very, very exposed and why this, uh, this podcast is very important to get the message out to folks that there's a, a, bigger, a bigger picture out there they need to be aware of. So with all this talk about asymmetric hybrid warfare and things like that, I mean, do you consider China to be an enemy of the United States? Well, when I was, I was asked this in a conference about a year ago, and uh, it, was, uh, it was from a military, uh, actually a military colonel. 
an army colonel, and he said, I, I was talking about asymmetric hybrid warfare, and he says, well, how do you define warfare? And I said, and I looked at him, and I gave him a big pregnant pause, and I said, I don't define it. I said, when our adversary says it's warfare, by God, it's warfare. So hmm. when, and the other point is what I just explained, and, and that's what the issue is with it, the American people, is when you say warfare, it's like, oh, that's cool. That's, that's a Tom Clancy novel. No, I'm, I'm describing it involves your family <laughs> and, your, and your company and your country. And when I say asymmetric hybrid warfare, I mean the word war. People say, well, Casey, is this World War III? My answer is, what do you think World War III looks like? Think about it. The Chinese Communist Party is partnering with Russia, a, a former communist country, which Putin would love to make it a communist country today and runs it like a communist country. North Korea, communist. Iran might as well be communist. Uh, and they're all partnering together um, and sharing military uh, goods, services, uh, secrets, and anything else they can do to partner against the West and including, of course, the United States. So my answer back is, um, absolutely, it's war. And what do, you, what do you think really World War III looks like? Now, technology is fantastic. It gives us really cool ways to, to interact with, with information and data and run our lives and so on. But every time we announce a new technology, it's a double-edged sword. It always comes with a significant dark side. And you know, up until recently, we never looked at that. We would just announce the product and not worry about security and not worry about the dark side. But now we're forced more and more to, to look at that. Our companies are, being, are starting to being forced to look at the dark side and to try to protect against that. Back to you. So let's talk about the scope and scale a little bit because we're getting down into some specifics about hybrid warfare. You know, take us through how really significant hybrid warfare really is. And let's try to get our arms around this and unpack it a little bit. Well, it, it's significant to the point where the F, you would never hear from the FBI. First of all, the FBI, I've got to say, they do a fantastic job. They're, they're wonderful people in the Bureau that protect us from all types of threats all day, every day, and they do an amazing job. But these, you have to understand what the mission is of the FBI. Remember, it's FBI for investigation. So a crime has to be committed before they can really get involved. So the FBI never would ever come out in the past and talk about, you know, another country uh, giving us trouble and so on and so forth. But in the last year, uh, FBI Director Ray has come out on several occasions, number one, stating that China, and remember, guys, it's the Chinese Communist Party, um, is the most significant threat to the United States. Um, this is the most significant long-term threat to the United States. Then he came out and also said, that was just in the past six months. And then recently he came out and said, I have over 1,000 open cases uh, regarding theft of intellectual property by China. Now, I want you to think about that. Remember, I said FBI investi I for investigation. Crimes have to be committed. So those are that, that 1,000 that he is completely up in arms about represents in our expert opinion, that only represents 1% to 2%. That's, their, that's what's called their caseload. Um, that doesn't represent the ones that are not reported. That doesn't represent the ones that have not been found yet. And the number, I, I think there's at least 98 or 99% of the other thefts that are out there that are ongoing that 
that companies are not aware of or they don't want to report it or say anything about it because they don't want to hit on their stock their stock price. So that's really how significant it is. They, okay, well, put a number on it. The government, remember the government really, they're not business people, they're government people, and, and I mean that respectfully. Um, they don't, I, when people, when I draw the conclusion or I draw the analogy, I say, you know, the government people, government people are saltwater fish. The rest of us in the private sector are freshwater fish. We're all fish, but we don't breathe the same water. And what I mean by that is, you know, you know, they don't have to worry about their paychecks. Their paychecks come every two weeks, no problem, so on. But in the in the private sector, we're quarterly run. We have quarterly numbers. And, you know, the year starts every three months. The year starts over every three months, in, in effect, in a way, in a matter of speaking. So the issue there is, is uh, you know, for, for – uh, the FBI to come out and talk about this is significant. Recent, uh, last March, Secretary of State Pompeo came out and said, uh, six minutes into a 30-minute keynote, basically said, China is stealing a, you know, a, the lion's share of our intellectual property. And they do it uh, with unrestricted warfare. They follow no rules. They do not respect any of our international laws, international rules, and they just wave their thumb, you know, they thumb their nose at us and say, you know, we don't care. We're taking your stuff and you're just going to have to get over it. Um, so, again, they follow no rules and it's, it's based on unrestricted warfare. So how big is it? We're going back on the number. The government doesn't measure. They're not really good at really measuring the total effect. So the last number we see is about 600 million. I'm sorry, 600 billion a year that we lose out of a 20 billion dollar economy, a 20 billion dollar GDP economy. And so, but you, that's just the raw innovation that the government estimates what is stolen. If you want to put the MBA number to it, you know what is that raw innovation? There, we spent, say, for example, three billion dollars on this cancer drug, or uh, uh, two billion on this chip, a microchip, or you know, three billion on this hybrid seed. Um, all these different things. Uh, what's that worth? I mean, the Chinese Communist Party stole the technology, stole the development of the titanium dioxide industry. That's a nineteen billion dollar a year industry. Titanium oxide is the bright white. Uh, pigment used in toothpaste, white paper, white paint. It's the, the bright whiteness that's used in all. Like, we're not going to buy from the United States anymore. We're just going to set up plants in China and make our own titanium dioxide. So they stole that directly from the United States. And the problem is we, you know, in our 24-hour news cycle, we don't, we don't remember all this stuff. We don't really connect the dots. And that's why I urge your listeners to go to uh, our company page on LinkedIn. So apply the, so they say that we lose about six hundred billion a year. So put put the MBA MBA number to it. Is it you know say for example, is your does your that cancer drug for example, we spent three billion dollars on it. Um, now it was supposed to power our our company with revenue, profit, and jobs for ten years. That's what we had forecasted on that R and D research and development effort. So that three billion should, you know, multiply that by 10 years. So that would be 30 billion. So if you multiply, I mean, I'm just, my point is, it's somewhere between 600 billion a year and 6 trillion a year. If you want to use the full amount of 6 trillion, that's a, roughly a third of our GDP that we're losing every year. And that's what I believe is a more accurate figure on what the total economic value is that's being stolen out of the, uh, the U.S. economy. So that's, 
that's how significant hybrid warfare is. It is the new normal on how, you know, if, if the Chinese Communist Party is stealing your IP and, that's, and they want to put your company out of business, and they do, uh, we've got long laundry list. Look at company like Nortel. Nortel was the AT&T of Canada, founded in 1895, uh, the largest employer in Canada, $30 billion. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, military got into their network in 2000, they did, and uh, Nortel did not take it seriously. And by 2008, uh, Nortel was bankrupt, and now you had this tiny little company in China called Huawei, that was now worth $30 billion, and today they're worth about $107 billion. So, and Nortel, like I said, is bankrupt. They're out of business. And so, same thing. Uh, solar panels were developed in Silicon Valley, and you cannot get solar panels now today unless you buy them made in China. So, yeah, another one, American Superconductor, a windmill, a windmill energy company. Uh, long, uh, you know, short story there, but I won't take your listeners through it. But again, that company went from forty-five dollars a share with a backlog of a billion dollars of Chinese uh, mil, uh, of windmills suppose, supposedly sent to China. China had a competing company called Sinoval that uh, re-engineered the hardware, and then they needed the uh, the the uh, source code. So they found one of seven people in the in the world, and they found an engineer or a, a systems engineer in Austria bought him wine, women, and song of 20,500 euros and got the source code. Then they canceled a billion dollar backlog uh, and the stock went from $45 a share to $4.50 a share. U.S. attorney said that was corporate homicide. So this is happening in every industry. I don't care if you're a Fortune 500, a Fortune 100, a Fortune 2000, or a $50 million company. If you have IP, the Chinese Communist Party is is going to get it. They want it. So that fundamentally changes the way we look at cybersecurity. Hybrid warfare changes the way we look at cybersecurity, and uh, that's really the go forward the go forward uh, new normal of what's going on uh, with uh, the business environment. So if if companies, I'm sorry, if the uh, Chinese Communist Party is trying to steal your IP and put you out of business, and you're at war then you have to become intimately aware of who your enemy is and how to protect your company and what runs your company, those, those family jewels. Back to you. All right, Casey, we've got to transition into a commercial break right here, but stick with us, folks. Lots more to come here on episode 112 of Task Force 7 Radio. We're going to talk a lot about uh, asymmetric hybrid warfare and why it's important to you in the next couple of segments. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media site. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email me directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's with the number 7, radio.com. I want to remind our audience that we're building the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. I'm really excited about this, folks. Tune in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed and much-awaited-for network. We're going to solve some problems together, I promise you. Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause with some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partners Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. Whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure. Security-innovation.org or Google Signet S-I-N-E-T. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partners Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. So, as promised at the end of the last segment, Casey, take us through asymmetric hybrid warfare 
and why it's the future of how we conduct business, not only globally, but also locally as well. Absolutely. Uh, so this asymmetric warf hybrid warfare, uh, companies are on the front lines and also individuals are with their personal information on their smartphones and so on. Um, but whether your company does business in China, in other words, if they have plants or uh, manufacturing capability, or they have a partnership with the Chinese company, remember, they're all backed and they all report into the Chinese Communist Party, um, that uh, you're partnering with, you're partnering with the, uh, the Chinese Communist Party when you do business with them. So that's global. Even if you're not doing business with China, China wants your IP, China, uh, and again, Chinese Communist Party, wants your IP, intellectual property, sensitive data, everything that you run your company on, negotiations, uh, strategies, pricing, uh, employee information, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, and, well, you say, well, listen, we're not global, we're just in North America, or we're just in, we're just in, you know, half the United States or something like that, they still want your IP. If your IP is leading edge and it's, you know, high, you know, it's high end or quality IP, they want it. And eventually, if they find out, once they understand that they can run, run the business on their own, then they'll absolutely cut you off and move on. And we, by the way, we, we have expatriates that come back and uh, give us all this information. We have expatriate clients that come back and give us this information that they've had their information stolen out of their hotel rooms or as soon as they gave the technology to to their business counterparts in China then they were they were no longer treated as royalty in China they're told to get out and they treated them like criminals and to get out of the country as soon as China felt that they could run their uh, their software or run their uh, their products by themselves uh, inside of China so uh, whether, again, whether you're doing business in China, or your company's doing business in China, or whether you're not, you're still a target. So that's really uh, the, the future of business. It's the future of the business environment. They, you know, when, you're, when your adversary, yes, your enemy, is raising the game by not recognizing any laws or any rules which you are bound by when you can uh, conduct business, but they're not. Uh, and it's all hidden under this thing called plausible deniability. So when, they, when somebody gets caught from China, they say, oh, we don't know them, or they're not part of the Chinese Communist Party, or they're rogue, or they're this or that. So it's all, all done under plausible deniability. And, and it's done very, very stealth below the surface. And that's really what keeps this, this economic espionage as, uh, as successful and as strategic as it needs to be to continue to gut the United States and to remove us from being a, uh, a power. So let me also describe something else about the Chinese Communist Party and the culture of the Chinese Communist Party. You know, as Americans, we are all trained, you know, all the way back to, from uh, uh, baseball, you know, Little League, so on and so forth, that, you know, if you don't win this year, by gosh, the clock resets in January and you got another shot at it, whether it's the Super Bowl, your team at the Super Bowl, the World Series, or whether it's a business deal. Um, so it's win or lose. We're taught, you know, you know I, I, I'm going to work like heck and I'm going to try to win. And if I don't win, then I'm going I'm to get another shot at it when the clock resets next year. The Chinese Communist Party is two levels above that. It's live or die. And by that, they mean they must live we must die, never to compete again. So understand that 
it's a totally different way of thinking. It's diametrically opposed from the way every American is raised um, and the way that the Chinese Communist Party thinks and the way that they train their citizens as well. So they must live, we must die, so we can never compete again. It, the Chinese Communist Party has absolutely zero, no intention of ever coexisting with the United States. They want to be global dominating country for the dawn of, uh, since the dawn of time. In fact, if you, if you learn their teachings and, and what they instruct their, their own uh, culture and their own people on is that they, they led the world for the past 2,000 years and the last century was the, la the century of great humiliation and they want to take back what's rightfully theirs. All this has been going on really since 1986, month number three, which is program 863. And I'll, I'll paraphrase it for you. It basically says we're going to lie, cheat, and steal and not just become on par with the United States and the West, but we're going to absolutely globally dominate them. So that's really uh, the future of uh, asymmetric hybrid warfare and why it's local as well as global and why it's got to be top of mind with everybody. So this is really complex stuff. I mean, the whole plausible deniability thing makes it extremely difficult to address this in any, any you know, reasonable way, um, or at least public way. Um, and, it, and, and the consequences of not getting this right are huge. And it just, it really, uh, it gets me going. It really does upset me that this hasn't been more uh, to the forefront. And that's why we keep talking about it on the show. Can you, in some respect, Give us the highlights or maybe some underpinnings, uh, maybe examples possibly of asymmetric hybrid warfare so people understand a little bit more uh, better, a little bit more, uh, you know, well, get, in, get in more prescriptive about it. Sure. As I, as I mentioned earlier, there's over 100 different methods of, of asymmetric hybrid warfare. And there's a subtitle on that. It's called uh, the, the Modern Battlefield is Everywhere. And I mean, there's things like drug warfare, you know, uh, first of all, uh, the opioid crisis was also supported by the Chinese Communist Party because they would ship opioids into the United States laced with fentanyl, which is a thousand times more powerful than uh, morphine. And then carfentanyl, which is 10,000 times more powerful than morphine, which is an elephant tranquilizer. And so they would ship that in and you could get that, your, you or your kids or any drug addict or anybody who wanted to get it could get it in your mailbox in three weeks after you ordered it from China. And so, so it's, that's called drug warfare to weaken the United States. Uh, there's propaganda warfare. Uh, there's a company called Wanda Group out of the Chinese Communist Party, and they bought into a lot of different Hollywood studios and distribution and so on, where they will elevate the Chinese Communist Party to be the heroes and that the United States are weak. And if you look at the new Top Gun movie coming out, um, Top Gun 2, you can actually see the flight jacket from the, the original Top Gun, Top Gun to the new Top Gun, and you look at the back of the flight jacket, which, which is the Chinese uh, in World War II, that was the blood shit that if the American pilots were found, well, you'll see that it's very differently represented now in, uh, uh, in that movie and uh, in Top Gun 2. So all these types of things are perfect examples, but there's, there's economic warfare, transaction warfare, information warfare, cognitive warfare, um, space warfare, EMP warfare, which is electromagnetic pulse warfare. And again, the last 
the, the Chinese Communist Party will think that they were absolutely failures if it ever goes to conventional warfare or nuclear warfare and that type of thing. So yeah, they're, they're, each one of these different methods are meant to weaken the United States and weaken our culture, weaken our resolve and our ability to fight and, uh, and so on and so forth. And you know, don't forget that uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, stole the information from the Office of Personnel Management, which was 26 million uh, military personnel, uh, their families, and uh, government personnel, intelligence community personnel, CIA, uh, you know, FBI, so on and so forth. And it's not just, uh, and that was put into a model, a software model that was developed in the United States. So, uh, so they have, so they're modeling every, and they have a file on every man, woman, and child in the United States, uh, in the UK, uh, as well as Chinese citizens. And they're, they're mapping all this also in, inside of China, specifically in China, inside of China with the uh, surveillance, the social credit system, and so on and so forth to completely dominate and control the culture. Um, so, uh, those are the underpinnings. It's every one of those, and the reason it's, it's uh, the name is asymmetric, coming from all different uh, angles in a four-dimensional type of, you know, if you can get that inside your mind, a four-dimensional approach to weaken the United States. It's beyond anything most people can comprehend. I remember when I first got into this years ago, I'm like, no way. I can't believe this. And now you got to be kidding me. This is conspiracy <laughs> stuff. This is Tom Clancy stuff. And you know, after you after you do this for a couple of months, people ask me. They say, "Well, how do you how do you sleep at night?" And it's like just like an ER doctor. You know, when you see people with gunshot wounds to the head and and missing arms and appendages and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess you get scar tissue and you get used to it. And that's kind of where we are. You know, when you see this all day yeah. every day, yeah. you're not surprised by this yeah. stuff. But I'm oh. sure your audience is sitting back on this guy. This guy is Looney Tunes. Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you, there's, there, there, there's a lot of people in the Fortune 500 crowd that are very sympathetic to China, don't want to hear anything about what you're talking about right now. All they want to hear about is how much money they're going to make, right? And we talked about it before, about money, power, and influence in, this, in the goal and what their, what their strategy is, and it fits right into that narrative. You know, you can see what's going on in the NBA as an example. But it, it, and, and so let's talk consequences. You know, they must live, we must die, right? So why is it so important for senior leaders and security execs and whether it's in the government or Fortune 500 companies in critical infrastructure, why is it right, it's so important for them to get it right? What are the, what's, what's the consequences going to be? What does the timeline look like? My, my analogy of senior leaders in corporations that are still doing business in China is a snail on a razor blade. And <clears throat> think about that. And, you know, you might be able to eke out another quarter or two of profits from China, but they're copying your stuff. They're stealing your IP. Their intent is to run you out of business. And, and by the way, so you could be out of business in the matter of, you know, a month, two months, three months. If they steal enough of your IP, you're done. Um, like some of the companies I mentioned earlier. Uh, there are other companies, there's chip manufacturers that have 50% of their IP stolen at one time. How long can you survive and how long can your stock price stay afloat when you have 50% of your IP stolen? Uh, and then it depends on how much you have in your backlog. So it's a reckoning that is happening with companies and boards of directors, and they're waking up to it very quickly. Like I said, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo is coming out with, with statements. My uh, Vice President Michael Pence, uh, you know, uh, 
DOJ. There's a mandate by uh, uh, Attorney General Barr to raise the awareness across the board in the private sector about how serious this threat is and so on. So that's really the answer why it's t this type of threat is an existential threat to each company and your company can go out of business in a matter of months very or definitely you won't be around as CEO or CISO or uh, or chairman of the board if this uh, you know if you take a big hit and you lose uh, a chunk of your IP and how, how would you quantify this and if you wanted to describe it in terms of a strategic risk to senior leaders in their companies what would you say to them I just said it, well not to say that hey look your company's not going to be around we get that right I mean but you know, if we wanted to sit there and talk in terms of specifics of doing business with these, uh, com with these companies or doing business in China, those types of things, like if you wanted to quantify it from a strategic risk perspective to try to hammer the point across, and you know, look, this is about you know influence, persuasion, negotiation, right? This is these are where soft skills come in because people right. don't believe what you're saying. I'm telling right now, like you even you mentioned it before, there's just people out there that just don't want to hear it. Um, yep. So how do we, you know, if we wanted to quantify this from a strategic risk perspective, is there anything different on how we can put it in, in the terms that we're using in, in the discussion? Absolutely. It's, it's something, you know, uh, you and I have been in industry for quite a while, and it's something none of us have been trained for in the past. None of our experiences have ever trained for hybrid warfare. And so it's something that it's coming out of, completely coming out of left field and in the way that they think. By the way, asymmetric hybrid warfare is all based on, on Asian martial arts theory. Punch here, kick here. It's weak over here. Punch here, kick here. Um, that kind of thing. And just, just be relentless on all this weakening piece of it. It's also, uh, this whole asymmetric hybrid warfare is, is, follows the teaching of Sun Tzu, which was a, he was a brilliant, uh, uh, Chinese military general back in 500 BC and they absolutely follow his teachings today and they're very very significant and that's exactly what they're doing to the United States so again this isn't conspiracy theory when you've got the head of the FBI coming out saying this is the biggest the most significant long-term threat to the United States and you've got all these things coming out then you know it's it's, it's absolutely real. The, so as a senior executive, you've got to quantify this new risk that you've never been trained to, to, uh, to assess and to, uh, to, to quantify, but you've got to do it with parameters that you're not trained in and, and that kind of thing. So it's something very, very, it's something that each uh, senior leader needs to deal with and specifically CEOs, uh, general counsels and uh, chairmen of the board. But, it's an existential risk. It's a strategic risk. You know, strategic risk is what we taught, you know, let's talk about our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, and our product set, and our product roadmap, um, but no, and, and our competitors. Well, when you've got a competitor that can put you out of business in a matter of weeks or months, I mean, think about it. Stealing your IP. Unprecedented. This is an unprecedented risk. Yeah, well, stealing your IP, taking it back to China, developing it over the next two years, and then selling your product to your customers based on your IP at 50 cents on the dollar. Now, how long are you going to stay in business doing that? Not uh, long. Uh, so Not long. We were, talking to the, we're, we're talking about the government before, and you mentioned the FBI. In your opinion, do you think like, the American uh, government agencies like the FBI, the DOJ, DOD, even the White House, do you think they, they consider hybrid warfare a priority? And, and are they doing it right the right way? I mean, what, should they do things differently? 
I will say over the last year and a half, after, over the last uh, year and a half to two years, they have absolutely done the hockey stick curve and they have, they've woken up on this thing. When you've got the head of the FBI coming out saying this and the, the secretary of state saying this and so on, that is a, an absolute hockey stick, uh, wake up call that they have, uh, I'm impressed. I'm, you know, when we used to say this, uh, when we used to talk about this subject three, four years ago, they kind of, a third of the audience would say, ah, this is conspiracy theory. That was great entertainment. The other third would say, holy cow. Um, I'm just going to put my head in the sand. The other third is like, where the hell have you been? We, uh, you know, we've <laughs> needed this information. We finally found people that know what the heck's going on. Can you help? Can you help protect us against this threat that we none of us have a clue on how to uh, how to address? All right, Casey. We've got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from our special guest, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partners Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. You're listening to Task Force Seven Radio, the Voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization 
organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partners Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. So Casey, to sort of wrap up this episode in, in, in this segment of the show, what, what should our audience really be focusing on going forward when it comes down to asymmetric warfare and everything that we spoke about? I mean, what, the, what should the average person out there really do? Well, the go forward plan is keep informed, stay alert, and be eternally curious on this subject and vigilant. It's going on Everywhere you look, you just have to, you have to be aware to what to look for. You, your family, your company, and your country are at war. So you remember that. And it's, uh, you know, you can Google all the things, you can fact check me, but it's absolutely true. And uh, if nothing else, you'll be the most interesting person in, uh, in your company and in your group, uh, being able to, uh, to converse on this subject. So is there like a summary checklist or is there some kind of some place they can go to say, here's the helpful tips and what they should be do concerning all this is, or is that available on your website someplace or? Um, no, we don't really publish all that. Uh, but yes, I'll give it to you now. Um, and if you're, if your readers want to, there might be a way for you to get it to them, but get your big crayon out. And here are uh, five huh. summary, uh, summary items for you. Hybrid warfare is the new normal for how business is conducted globally and locally. There's been, and we've seen a tsunami of companies waking up to this. They can no longer play the game or the snail on the razor blade doing business in China uh, or turning a blind eye to the Chinese Communist Party. So hybrid warfare is the new normal. That's number one. Number two, senior leaders must be acutely aware of this risk that they've never been trained for in the past, this existential and unprecedented risk. Um, they, they have to understand how it affects their company and their products for the one, five, 10, and 20 years out. And this is done through uh, an adversarial intelligence briefing and risk assessment for the company, uh, the product set, and their industry. So you're able to say, okay, here's my awareness is up two notches. And now it's uh, plugged into a risk assessment of, you know, my company, my product set, and my industry, one, five, 10, 20 years out. That's number two. Number three, to stay competitive, and also parentheses, survive, each company must train their senior leaders in uh, our recommendation is strategic wargaming. Now, there's cybersecurity wargaming, and that's excellent, but that's at the tactical layer. Remember, your enemy and your adversary is that the strategic layer. Think about it. If he's attacking you, 
if he's attacking you, he's doing it strategically. He's not doing it tactically. So he's got you in the strategic crosshairs and you're operating in the tactical crosshairs because that's, that's where we've always put IT, which is kind of like the plumbing in the organization and or in the company. And then cybersecurity sounded kind of geeky, sounded IT, so let's throw it over the fence to the geeks. So cybersecurity is IT. So by definition, cybersecurity and IT are tactical. So we recommend strategic war games. In other words, at the strategic layer for your company against these other entities, which can be group hacking, nation states, Chinese Communist Party, Russia, Iran, North Korea. They're all, about, we, we spent a lot of time talking about China and Chinese Communist Party. Don't forget, Russia wants a piece of your company. Uh, so, and Iran wants to shut your servers down and your, your databases down. And uh, North Korea would just, you know, wants to embarrass you and, uh, and shut things down as well. So that's number three. To stay competitive, we recommend strategic wargaming. Number four, cybersecurity must be upgraded in your organization, by the way, and your supply chain to include the strategic layer and the human factor. Remember, you're, you're flying blind. You're fighting ghosts. If you don't, you're, you're looking at the telescope through the wrong end if you're just looking at cybersecurity as a technology issue. It is not. Um, uh, so that's number four. And number five, survival. And I, I really mean that. When you look at what's, how, how the Chinese Communist Party guts companies, and, and uses a lot of that technology to funnel it back into their, not just their commercial side, their business side for products and services, but also into their military as well. Um, so uh, number five, it requires a cultural shift in every company and the supply chain on how we handle data, intellectual property, sensitive data, trade secrets, and so on. For success, it's a transformation that must be led by the CEO and the board. It is that serious. If you guys remember, I don't know if some of your audience goes back in the day, we had sexual harassment training in the 80s. That was a cultural shift. And it only took off when the CEO got behind it and the chairman of the board. And then in the 90s, we had uh, diversity training, never took off until the CEO and the chairman got behind it. And then again, it took off. This is the same thing. This is a cultural shift on how we deal with data, how we protect ourselves in this war type situation in asymmetric hybrid warfare. Back to you. So you, know, you mentioned before that we can go to your website or we can go to your site on LinkedIn to get information and there's information posted all the time. Is there other places that our audience should go to stay informed on this subject so that we can keep the conversation going? Absolutely. There's uh, those two places will, if you really want a quick snapshot and to stay uh, a, se a semi pseudo expert in this subject area, uh, following the company pay, our company page on LinkedIn is the best way to do it. Black Ops Partners. Um, the website's great as well. There are historic articles there. It'll bring you up to speed if you want to spend some time on that. But you can Google things like RAND Corporation, R-A-N-D, and asymmetric hybrid warfare and, uh, and hybrid warfare. Uh, there are numerous articles out there uh, under that. Something just came out recently on Iran and hybrid warfare and, and using technology and cybersecurity and so on. So uh, Google some of those concepts that we talked about in this podcast. And, uh, and I urge everybody, if, if there's any doubt, just to fact check, this, check, fact check me. But you'll see very quickly if you look at those articles on our company page and you page through it, I, I guarantee you, you'll, uh, the first reaction, you'll be in denial. Second one, you'll get sick to your stomach. And then third, you're going to want to fight back. So uh, hmm. that's the recommendation there. 
Casey, this has been a really interesting and eye-opening conversation. You know, I'd love to have you back. I, mean, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I'm already thinking about, you know, when you, you know, we can get you back on the show. Because this is the kind of stuff that I love to talk about. I think this is the kind of stuff that our listeners like to hear about. Um, this is the kind of stuff that matters, in my opinion. Um, you know, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we'll talk offline maybe about when you can come back and, and join us again. George, thank you so much for the offer to be on your show. And uh, it's been truly a pleasure. And wish everybody the best in this fight uh, moving forward. Thank you. All right, folks, it's time to go. But before I do, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.